This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Coming, haven't been here in a while. Have not been here in a while because of Avina Malkeinu. Baruch Hashem, we were very much sliach, I hope. We went all over the world. Um, so it's been probably two months, maybe more. And then we had Yantif. I want to go back a little bit. I want to go back. I want to go back into Devarim for a moment. Into Pashas Vayelech. The Pashas Vayelech is uh, two weeks before Sukkot, right? We have Vayelech, and then you have Zinu. Zinu, then you have Zayzabach, which is on Simchus Torah. So when I was being Mavad Sedra on in Pashas Vayelech, I came across a Pasuk which blew me away. And I think it's very important in Pasuk for all of us. So, it's the end of Moshe Rabbeinu's life, maybe the last day um, of his life, and he's talking to Klai Yisrael and he's giving them Musr, um, like a like a like a loving leader, a loving father, and he says the following: He wrote the Shira and he taught it to Bnei Yisrael, and by when he finished writing the Torah, he put it. He said, "Take the sefer Torah, put it next to the Aaron, and it should be there forever." He said, "Said for I know." He says, "I love you guys, but I know it's Mariacha. I know your rebelliousness, but it's Upcha Kasha, and I know your stubbornness." He's telling Kai Yisrael, "Hey, by Denochai." While I'm still alive, Imachamayom with you today, Mamrim Hayisem, you were rebellious, and my Hashem, Va'af Kibiachri Mosi, for sure, if when I'm alive, you're rebellious, when after I die, you're definitely gonna be more, more rebellious. So he calls them together, Hakilo Eli is called Zikne Shiftechem, gather all the elders, Va'adabra Ba'oznehem, that's the Dorama Elam, where it's speaking in your ears, I think Rashi says something about why it says in your ears. Okay, um, I'm going to speak in your ears as a tovarim These words, the idubam, and I'm going to have witnesses, Shemayim and Aretz. And now he says the following. This is what the point I want to get to. Kiyudati, it's the second to last pasuk in Vayelech. I know, Achrei after I die, I die, ki hashchis tashchisun, that you will act. In a corrupt manner, okay. Well, sure, I'm going to use the words. You will act in a corrupt manner. This off the derech thing is not something new. Moshe Rabbeinu told him in Pashvayelech, "V'sartem and you're going to go off the derech. That's the lashon that the language that was used in the time, at that time, off the derech. Kisasu Hashem because I know that you're going to do. Something that is very bad in the eyes of God, and it's going to make him very angry. What do you think that is, everybody here? Shabbat is telling him, I know, after I die, I know the Akhus Hayyamim, and the Akhus Hayyamim is in the times of Mashiach. Akhus Hayyamim is what we're in right now. When Shabbat says, You guys are going to do something that is going to make Hashem extremely, something corrupt, something corrupt, it's going to make Hashem extremely angry. What is that? Avoid Zara, serving idols, murder, 
uh, adultery, Gilead what in the end of days, which is when we're living right now, is going to make Hashem very angry. And I know, listen, I'm not going to tell you my age, but I'm pretty old. And I've learned, I've learned this parasha 59, 59 years in a row. And I never saw these two words. And he says, through what's going to happen in the end of days, Lach Yisroi, Yideichem. Through man-made things. That's it. It's the whole passage. No, wait, Zara, Not shichas damim. Not adultery. Not immorality. In the end of days, Moshe Rabbeinu said, technology created by the human being will be the thing that will corrupt us and will anger Hashem. It's, if you look at the Pasuk, that nobody speaks about this, that, that nobody talks about this, that Moshe Rabbeinu is telling them, and I see in the end of days, that it's not a Zara, it's not atheism, it's not going off the derech, that in the end of the day, what's going to make man is going to make things with their hands that are going to cause anger by a Kurdish Baruch. Here is a reference to technology, not Rabbi Wallstein and all the other people who speak about it. Here's a reference by Moshe Rabbeinu who's talking about in the times, the end of the world, that there will be something made by man that will cause great anger in Shemayim. So I just was like, wow. And the last passage is that Adam Moshe wasn't a Kali Yisrael. Moshe Beto said this over to Kali Yisrael. And that's it. Until their conclusion. That was it. That was it. And then you have Pasha Zazino. So you have an open, an open Pasha that talks about at the end of days. Okay. That's one thing. Now, one of the biggest challenges... Well, let me just see if Rashi says anything. No. One of the biggest challenges of growing, I'm sure a lot of the people, a lot of the women in this room, girls in this room, have gone through this challenge. Probably the greatest challenge of growing is that you become extremely judgmental of other people. When you stop talking Lashon Hara, you cannot understand why other people talk Lashon Hara. When a guy stops smoking, he cannot understand how could guy, you stink, the couch stinks, the room stinks. How, what's wrong with you guys? I mean, I understand why you're smoking. Meanwhile, this guy just stopped two weeks ago. So his car still stinks from smoke, right? But when you grow for some reason, you're on a diet, you lose weight, you can't understand why people are sitting at a restaurant eating cake. Like, what is wrong with you? Why are you eating cake? It's so unhealthy, Rabbi. It's so unhealthy. Eating potato chips. It's so unhealthy. And I'm like, Two weeks ago, you were stuffing your face with dipsy doodles and yodels. Now you're giving me mustard two weeks later? Like, come on. The answer is, well, if I was able to stop it, I cannot understand why somebody else can't stop it. So we become very critical of other people, which is not a good trait, and it's not what Hashem wants. Hashem wants us to learn schus, on, on everybody. And I talked to my Rebbe about this very, very much. It's like, you stop talking in shul, it's like, you're the one who, I have, there's a guy in my shul, this guy did not, he used to make me crazy. He, he talked the whole davening. He talked by laning. When they read the Torah, he talked in the middle of Shemana Esrei. He talked after Baruchu. This guy, and like three years ago, I don't know, someone got to him 
and he totally stopped talking. He doesn't talk by davening at all. He doesn't even talk in shul. In other words, davening's over. He, if he wants to talk business or, or to friends, he, go, he says, let's go out of shul. I don't, even if they're not davening, he... Who is the, sush, the susha in my, in, my, in my... Who is the guy who runs around jumping on everyone's head and God forbid if your cell phone rings by accident? This guy, rip your head off. He's a shnoo. What's wrong with you? I'm like, oh my God, five years ago. I used to, I used to look at the guy. It was impossible, right? But what happened? He now doesn't talk in shul. So how can you talk in shul? It's a, it, Rabbi Gamliel, my rabbi said, it's the greatest Sahara when you grow... To judge others. Because you're not allowed to judge others, right? What does it say in the Mishnah? That you're not allowed to judge others until you're in their place. And we learn in physics that no two objects occupy the same space, ever. So the Mishnah is telling you that you can't judge anyone else. You become a big judge. Become a big judge. It's a story that I know about a girl who was very picky. And it took her a long time to get married. And she got married. And all the other girls, she's telling them, the reason you're not married is because you're too picky. Because now that she got married, now everybody else is too picky. Like, just marry anybody. Like, you didn't just marry anybody. You waited 15 years until you got married. Hello? But now she's married. So now it's like, I don't understand why people are picky. It's a, it's a very, very big challenge. And it bothers me very much because you don't know me 30 years ago. I was the absolute opposite. No matter what you did wrong, I'd find the reason why it's not your fault. I, I would try to learn schos on a person. It's like, okay, he's not, you know, because I was teaching kids that they would drive to shul on Shabbos. So I was like, at least they went to shul. They didn't go to the, they didn't go to the mall. You know, I was able to find something good in everything that everyone did. But as I grew, I became very critical. Critical of a lot of things. And it bothered me that I became very critical. So, one of the things I wanted to take on in Yom Kippur was um, you have to take on something, right? You have to say, Hashem, give me another year because I'm working on something. So one of the things is that, as you know, I'm usually very late to many different things. So Zman Tfila, you know, in the morning there are certain set times. There's a time that you have to say Kriyashma. Right now it's 10.01, right? There's a time you have to damage Shemona Esrei by. Right now it's all late till they change the clock. It's going to be 9.01 next week. Uh, Shemona Esrei, I think, is 10.45. And Mincha, you can only dive until Shkia. Shkia is, I don't know what Shkia is today, six, uh, not even six, 6.01, 6. And then you can't dive in Mayriv until 45 minutes after Shkia. So, I dive in, sometimes I dive in after the Zman. For some reason I woke up late and I miss Zman Tfilo or Zman Kriyashma. And sometimes I dive in Mincha after the sun sets. And sometimes I dive in Mayriv early. So, one of the things I took on Yom Kippur is I'm going to try this year, Hashem, to be on time, not to miss any Zmanim, which is, which is probably impossible, but to try my best. And the second thing I took on is, is to try to find favor, to try to, to be the one that stands in front of Hashem and finds the good in every Jew. I sort of lost that, and I wanted that back. Now, the greatest rabbi that ever lived that did that was Rav Levi Yitzchak Mirbaditchov. Rav Yitzchak no matter what you were doing wrong, he used to sit and talk to Hashem all the time, and he would always find good. There was a famous story, um, there was a new kipper, there was a guy eating in a store, a new kipper, and he asked him, 
um, you must be eating because you're sick and he said no I'm not sick I'm eating anyway you must be sitting in your stool because it might be collapsing so you don't make sure nobody gets hurt he goes no and he asked him all these questions this guy was like no and he turned around and he said you see Hashem you see how great Klai Israel is they don't lie so he, he was famous he always found something good in Klai Israel and it's very important it's very easy to be critical it's very easy to be critical that's not what Hashem wants he, he, of course he wants you to help other people to get better but he doesn't want you this, the Satan doesn't need any help in Kitrug see the problem is if you're critical if you talk oh these Jews Jews always cheat and Jews, Jews are cheap and, and flappish people are like this and Baropah people are like that so God has a problem because when the Satan the Makatrik brings it up right to Hashem to be Makatrik on us so Kishbochel can fight with him. But if we say it about ourselves, the Satan's like, I didn't say it. They said it. So what's Hashem going to say? We have to be very careful not to make these statements, oh, flappish people, burrow people, out of town, they're Harry's, they're this, they're that, they don't understand. Be very, very careful when you talk about other Jews. So the opposite. Hashem wants His children to talk good about each other. So... I, I decided to start lighting candles for Matzah Shabbos to light a candle for Rav Levi Yitzchak's neshama. Not that he needs me to light it, but to light it. Lili Nishmas Rav Levi Yitzchak Mivadichev. His name is Rav Levi Yitzchak Ben Sarasasha, right? And he should he should help me find the good that he was able to find in everyone else. So I started that actually. Rosh Hashanah, Matze um, Rosh Hashanah, because really the, the whole thought was really on Matze Rosh Hashanah. Then we were taken off for the year. I started on Matze Rosh Hashanah. Then it was a Shabbos. It was a Shabbos in between. I lit his candle then. Now I'm standing in Eretz Yisrael, Bayne Ela. Hashem's my witness. Bayne Ela. I was in Eretz Yisrael, Baruch Hashem, Yom Kippur. There's nothing in the world. There, there, there is there is no higher high than standing by the Kosa Maravi when you're actually standing in the holiest land and the holiest city you shall in that land in the holiest place of that city on the holiest day at the holiest time of the holiest day it's like five holies and because it's the Kaisel and you have all these people you can scream and yell because everyone's screaming and yelling so it's not like in Shul where you're screaming Hashem will the guy next to you everyone's looking at you like you're weird here you could just you could just cry, scream. You could just read it out, and everybody's screaming at the end of the Elah Shema Yisrael, Hashem Mualokim, Hashem Melech, Baruch Shem Kavod. And being that I'm a Kayin, it's something that Neretz Yisrael that you don't have here. That by the you have to do him. You have to do Bichus Kahanim. But there's a problem. Bichus Kahanim have to be done. Has to be done before the sun sets. You can't do Bichus Kahanim after sunset. But then you have from Bechaz Kohanim is at the end of the Chazan Shemana Esrei. So now what are you going to do for the next 25 minutes? You did Bechaz Kohanim, they finished Shemana Esrei, and now it's... So we do every Avinu Malkeinu, one at a time. Very slowly. Each Avinu Malkeinu. Everybody's screaming. Everybody's flying. Everybody's crying. People are climbing up the wall. It's crazy. It's like, I can't even explain it to you. And I'm standing there and I'm doing what everybody else is doing. I'm doing my whatever. I'm diving for Klai Yisrael. And 
And I'm like, don't close the door. You can't close the door yet. And as I'm saying that, I'm like, a thought came to my head. And maybe it's because I lit the candles. I don't know. And I said, Akush Baruch, I have to tell you something. You know, a whole year I got up and I talked about um, there's an organization, footsteps. I said, Yamach Shemal. They take Jewish kids and, and, and they make them, Jewish people, and they make them into total atheists. I said, there's a lot of kids out there that I'm Chal Shabbos and they're eating treif and I deal with all these kids that don't believe in you at all. I said, but I have to tell you something, Hashem. Even footsteps, right, and they are the worst, as bad as they are, they don't take Jewish kids and make them serve a Zara. In other words, they say we don't believe in God, we, don't, we haven't seen you, we don't believe in you, we're atheists. But n- never did footsteps take Jewish kids and make them Muslims, or Christians, or Buddhists, or Hindus, or bow down to the idol in front, of, in front of you, or bow down to the rising sun. I said, they're atheists. And, they're, and, and, and you know, if they're Chayim Misa, they're not Chayim Misa, according to the Mishnah, you know, a person, it's really only a person who says, who curses Hashem, or whatever, who serves idols. But at the end of the day, all these kids that are off, who don't believe in you, they don't believe in anything else. They don't have an Egel, like they had after the, after the Torah. They're not in the times of, of the terrible kings in Klai Yisrael, where every corner and every block, they were serving Avodah they served Molech, they served these terrible Avodah They're not the guys in the Midbar, the Jews in the Midbar, who 24,000 died, that went into tents and, and served in Avodah and said, all these kids, they don't believe in you, but they don't believe in anything else. And I spoke on Tishabov, and on Tishabov is like one of the saddest Medrash Eicha. And in Medrash Eicha it says that at the times of the Beis Hamikdash, what was destroyed, I believe the second Beis Hamikdash, the Jews would go every day and serve a different Avodah in a different temple. They had three hundred and sixty-five Avodah Today they went to Molech. The next one they went to Baal Pa'or. Every single day. And Hashem said, it's in it's in Medrash Eicha. Hashem said to them, you know what? You want to serve a the Zara? I'm not happy about it. But could you meet me one of them? In other words, you're serving 365 idols. Could I be one day of the 365? That would be okay already. And Kaisal said, no. 365 Avodah is not you. And I'm like, none of these kids serve Avodah Zara. They don't bow down to Buddha. They're not, they don't, they don't believe in Islam. They don't believe in Christianity. They don't believe in Hinduism. They're not going to India and getting a little red mark on their head and, 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 and staying away from cows. They're not, they're not, they're not serving up like Zara. I said, so, it was Mamash Bainil. I'm like, you gotta forgive us. None of us are serving up like Zara. There's no one in Klai that serves up like Zara. Who, who serves idols today in our world? So, I said, even the worst one that I cursed, I said, Yamach Shemo, the end of the day, those people who are, who are doing very bad things, don't get me wrong, but they don't take a kid and bring him to a Zara. So, all of a sudden, I'm standing in front of the Kaisel, and I'm finding good in all the people that I'm ranked at a whole year, who deserve to be ranked at for what they do, don't get me wrong. The end of the day, maybe not Yamach Shemo, they're not Nazis. Maybe not Yimach Shemoy V'Zechoy. So, I think that it's very important for all of us to 
you know, we talked about in the Vino Malkeinu that it's a year of getting close to Hashem Me'ahava um, from love. And what I should have added in the Vino Malkeinu, but I only realized it by Ne'ilah in, in, in Eretz Yisrael, is I should have said, we have to serve Hashem with Ahava, but we also have to be with each other by Ahava. My whole thing was that shouldn't fear, fear, fear. We should have a relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu that's coming out of love. And Hakadosh Baruch Hu is saying, ah, "Yeah, but I'd like, I'd like you guys to have that for each other too, not just between me and you, but you're all my children. You know, a parent, anyone that's in this room that's a parent, you have a Shabbos table. If your kids at that table are fighting, and they're not, to- or they're not talking to each other, you don't want to be at that table." Better none of them come to the table. They all stay in their rooms. That they should be around the table and not talking to each other or, or cursing each other out. No parent can watch that. And, and they would rather they all sit at the table. You don't want to say it's vato or whatever it is, but everyone's getting along at the table. Shalom is the most important thing. So I, I was thinking to myself that I was preaching the whole time, Avas Hashem, and Hashem's like, well, why aren't you preaching Avas Yisrael? So tonight I'm preaching Avas Yisrael. It's very, very important to find the good in other people now why do people find bad in other people much more than they find good because they find bad in themselves much more than they find good what you see in another person that bothers you is usually something that is wrong with you 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 don't when someone's sick right all of a sudden you're looking for people who are going through the same thing that you are and, and they're making it or they're not, whatever it is. You, when you're going through something, all of a sudden you see, you know, that other people have the same situation, have the same problem. Whether it's physical malady, whatever it is. Because you're sensitive, because you're going through it, you're sensitive to what, to what that other person is going through. But if you're not going through it, you don't even see it. You don't even see it. How can I give you a good example? I have a very good example. So when guys are losing hair and they're getting bald, all of a sudden they're looking at all their friends' heads. Oh, he has less hair than I do. Oh, he has less hair. Why does he have more hair than I do? Maybe I need to talk to find out what is going on, right? So the guy has a full head of hair. He doesn't look at, he's not looking at anyone. He's looking at anyone before. He's not interested. When he starts losing hair, he's like, uh-oh. So all of a sudden, everybody in shul, you're looking at them. Oh, this guy's my age. This guy's older. He has more hair. What's going on? Is this hereditary? Right? But the guy with the full head of hair, he's not looking at anybody because that's not his problem. We find what's wrong in other people because it's our problem. So all of a sudden, we're looking at our problem in others. And first of all, it makes you feel better. Oh, they have the same problem. So ah, that's not so bad. It's a very, very important thing. I think I want to start off the year with, with that we should work on finding the good in everyone. And that doesn't mean, we'll talk about it tonight, doesn't mean that when people do something bad, your job is to find the good. At the same time, if the person is doing something bad, we have to stop it. The people who are, who are atheists are bad. They're bad. But they're not as bad as. So when you want to learn Tzchus, it's like, I'll tell you a, a, a story. Who said it? Um, the Chavreini, the Rosh Hashiva of Chavreini Yeshiva. I was like 13 years old, a long time ago. And I, we used to, in Eretz Yisrael, we used to be in Eretz Yisrael, so we used to daven in Chavreini Yeshiva in Yerushalayim. And the Chavreini, I didn't understand a word he said, but my father repeated it. Chavreini got up, you're talking 45 years ago? Okay, 45 years ago. And he got up before Musaf on Rosh Hashanah. 
And he said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, What are you waiting for? For Mashiach. Came Besser Yid in Vetnerzayim. It's not getting better. So like, so like, what are you waiting for? In other words, we're the best there is. We are. We're the best there is. There's nobody like Chayestral. I buy flowers every Erev Shabbos. Um, and I spoke about it a few times that I buy flowers for my girls in my, in my high school. And I give it out. And the week after I spoke about it on Torah, anytime I walked into the flower store, Goy, Korean guy in Avenue N, and I got my two dozen roses for the girls. He says, you don't have to pay. Well, why don't I have to pay? He says, here's a letter. A lady walked in on Friday morning or Thursday, paid for the two dozen roses, and there was a card, thank you, Rad Wallstein, for all you do. So she just heard about it, and she paid it. There were two girls, in, a, in my brother-in-law just told me this story, there were two girls in a supermarket who were talk, two cashiers who were girls that were not that from and they, were, they weren't keeping Shabbos and Yantiv and they were talking, the two cashiers were talking to each other. It's a, a kosher, you know, a kosher uh, supermarket. And they were talking to each other, people online, they were talking to each other like, maybe this Shabbos, I mean it was the first Shoshana, the Shabbos before Shoshana, so it was the first Shabbos of the year, whatever it was, between Shani and Kippur. And they were talking to each other like, you know what, let's, Let's try to keep, maybe we'll keep Shabbos this week. Um, and maybe we'll try to keep, you know, uh, Yantif, whatever it is. Okay. They're closing up the store. And the owner of the store comes over to these two girls, teenage girls, high school girls. Happens to be my high school girls. And says, um, here's $200 for you and $200 for you. And they said, thank you, why are you giving us this? He goes, I'm not giving it to you. Somebody was was online when you were talking and he said, I was listening to these two girls talk about that they want to keep Yantif they should take the $200, each one should buy themselves a dress for Yantif what nation who does that? right? and, and, and all the organizations and everything that we have there is to do it. so when you dive, you have to say what are you waiting for? you, 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 think, we're, you think it's going to get better? you know, Moshe Rabbeinu, it's a medrash Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbeinu was the one of the biggest learnings chosen for Klai Yisrael. Every time Hashem, how many times Hashem wanted to destroy us in, in, in the five books of, uh, uh, the five books of the Torah? I don't know, maybe 15 times? Every two days Hashem said, I'm going to wipe them off, I'm going to wipe them off. And every time Moshe Rabbeinu came up with something else. And his main thing was, if you wipe them out, what is the world going to say about you? They don't deserve, they deserve to be wiped out. What is the world going to, what is the world going to say about you? So it brings down that, I think it was by the ego, and Hashem said to Moshe, that's it, I am, I, I'm, I'm done with them. I mean, I just gave the Torah and that, I'm done with them. Moshe Rabbeinu said, okay, the lotion of the Medrash is, don't divorce your wife till you find another. So Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, before you wipe out Klayistral, go out to the world, check out who's going to be your nation, right, see if it's the the Muslims, or see who you're going to, if it's going to be Esau, or Yishmael, and then if you find one better than us, okay, so it says Hashem went, he came back and said, you're right, I'm not getting better than the Jews, and he's not, there's no one has suffered, we have suffered, there's no nation, there's no religion, there's no nation that went through anything, that lost six million people, 
that went through the Crusades, that went through destruction of two temples, that came out of Mitzrayim. I mean, we have been persecuted, decimated, murdered. We get a couple of years quiet, 70 years, 100 years, 120 years, maybe 200 years, and then we get wiped out. So, and we're still saying Kriyashma. And we're still davening. And we're still getting married the way we're supposed to get married. Every time I go to a wedding, I'm like, but Hashem, it's a guy and a girl. Hashem, normal marriage. Hariat Mekudeshishli with Adim, with, with all the craziness and garbage in the world, we're still here. Nobody went through what we went through. So, Mikam Chisrael. I think that's what we need to fight. We need to, Akash Baruch you know, you're right, we, we do a lot of things wrong. But who, who does anything better? Who is better than us? There's no one better than us. So at the end of the day, who, 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 who are you going to replace us with? What? ISIS? Syria? Or maybe Russia? Or how about Europe? That's who you're going to replace us with? Maybe the Germans? Like, who? Who's going to replace? South America? Who's going to replace the Jewish nation? There is anybody. So I, I, I feel that Barash is that the thing that we need to take on this year is the Vahaf Lorech People try to find the good things in there. You know, when you do something wrong, wasn't so bad. I could have done something even worse. So, so think about people that way. All right, that's Pasha Vayelach. Um, Pasha's Bereshis. So Pasha's Bereshis is really a lesson in relationships and in education and chinuch. A very big lesson, and you can't argue with me. I'm not going to let you argue with me no matter what I say tonight because it's God. And no matter how good your therapist is and you went to school and you're a therapist and Darwin and all these Mishugam and all their theories and all their stuff, right? And, and your therapist and doctors and professors and all these people and books and Zach and Amaisis. The bottom line is God is giving us a lesson, a psychology lesson. And nobody, not even Rav Chaim Kainevsky, not... The, not Rabbi Abraham Tversky, not anyone in this world can get up and say, I know Chinuch better than him. Because he made us. And he knows what makes us tick. And he knows what's good for us. God knows what's good for us. And he knows what's bad for us. So there's no one that can say, well, it's God. Or, well, it was in those days. God is not in those days. Then you believe, then you believe like a lot of other people that, he's, that he died and that's it. The world's running on its own. Chas so there's no God in those days. He created everything. And the moment he created it, whatever he did, it's forever. So whatever you learn in Bereshit that Akash Baruch Hu did, you can't come back and say, well, you know, I don't know if he was right. There's no such thing. He's God. He created all of us, right? The guy who made the car writes the book that's in your glove compartment, the manual. You can't say you know better than GM how a car should work. GM made the car. Akash Baruch Hu made us. So what am I talking about? So, let's start with when they ate from the tree. Okay? First of all, you should just know that when Hashem created us, well, let's start with Adam and Chava. That's a very big lesson. So, I'm not going to get too Kabbalistic, but when Adam and Chava were created, they were created as one being, female, male. The front was a, a male with Adam, and on his back was... On his back was Chava. And since then we're trying to get her off our back. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, I had to say that. But she was on his back. Now, um, 
it's very interesting because if you look at the Pesukim, if you learn this, this parasha, it's like huge questions. Because what does it say over here? It says the following. Because created him as one person. Let's see where it says it. It's before Shani. Yeah, okay. Vayivra Elohim Hashem created us in his image. We spoke about this in a different share. How are we in his image? Sail is a shadow. Who in this room looks like God? Right? What's a shadow? A shadow is just a shadow of what the object is. If you have a circle, it can't be a square shadow. So how are we a shadow of God? And the answer is the oneness. God is one and each one of us is one. Each one is one. There'll never be another one of you. There never was another one of you. If Even if you're a Gilgal, you have certain parts of the one before you, but the combination of who you are was never here before. So that is the, that is the, the shadow of God is that God is one, and Yehudas is one, and Miriam is one, and every girl in this room, whatever her name is, is one. There'll never be another one of you. There never was another one of you. And this is it. And it's a very, what? The two people. There's still two, two different people. And actually, they have two different DNAs. And you know, there's a whole story in this unbelievable safer that I have that Siamese twins, because according to what he brings down, Adam and Chava were created as a Siamese twin, not separated. And Shlomo HaMelech, there's a famous story with Shlomo HaMelech that there was a Siamese twins that were not separated, two heads, and they came to Shlomo HaMelech and they said their father died and there's a bunch of kids and they want a double portion of the Yerusha. Because they're two people. So he took a, a, a sack and he put it over one of the heads. And he took hot water and he put it over the other head. And the one in that head in the sack screamed, ow. He says, so if you scream, ow, when I put water on his head, you're not two people, you're one person. Famous story. Shalom Melch was very, very smart. So that is how we are like God. God is one and you are one. And that's a crazy responsibility. Because you can't fix you can't change what you do. You, you're, you're it. That's it. You're it. There's not going to be another one of you. There's going to be a part of you, an neshama, a nefesh, ruach, whatever. But you, as you are, uh-uh. That's why everyone asks, which Gilgul are you coming back? It's a silly question. Each Gilgul is a different person. All those people are coming back if they deserve it. Each Gilgul is a different person. Even if you're carrying Gilgul of a person before you, there's a different, there's different combinations, there are different parts of the neshama. We're not, we're not going to get into that whole thing. That's not for tonight's share. So, so Hashem created us in His Tselem. Unbelievable, unbelievable present. That we're not like fish, a school of fish or a herd of elephants. Each one of us has individuality. The greatness of, 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 of a human being is that you have individuality. Do not, we're all different. The godless, the greatness is that you're different. That you're not the same. Well, I, had, I, yeah, I spoke about this last year. You know, this girl that came to me and she was like, Oh, all you black hatters with your white shirts, you're just like a bunch of robots, you're all the same, you're all the same. That's why I hate from people, you guys, you have no individuality, you're all the same. I'm like, really? And she was just like whack. She was like, in the, it was in the, like in the middle of the summer, she had a knit hat on with, with like yellow tights and like I don't know she was like like a clown 
right? She came to my office to speak to me. Well, I didn't say anything. I didn't laugh when she walked in. I was like, turn up the air conditioner. Like, what's going on over here? But anyway, she sits down. She was into this whole, whole thing that, you know, you, 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 the beauty is to be different, and I am different, and everyone at Butter Park's the same. Look, you, they all dress the same. They all look the same. I'm like, you're also the same. What do you mean? I'm like, you are also the same. What do you mean? I'm like, you're the same as all the people that want to be different. What's the difference? You want to be like her because she's different. And so you hang out with all the people that are different. So you are the same as all the people that are different. I am the same as all the people that are the same, but we're both the same. She was like, took her a few minutes. She's not a dancer. You're right. You want to make a statement. So you're the same as all people that want to make a statement. And I'm the same as all people who don't want to make a statement. But we're still the same. You're, you're not individual. You, you dress like that. You got a lot of other people in the world that get dressed like that. They're in the village, wherever they are, wherever they're hanging out. You, you sort online. You want to dress like that. And you're, you're also the same. You think you stepped out of Yiddishkeit because you're not dressed the same way? You're the same as all the people who stepped out of Yiddishkeit. They don't want to. They don't want to. They want to be different. They want to have this individuality. You're not an individual. You all stepped out of Yiddishkeit together, so you're a herd. You're a herd of a bunch of people who stepped out of Yiddishkeit. We're a herd of the same people who stayed in Yiddishkeit. Manishtana. What's the difference? Okay. Anyway, so if you look at the passage, it says the following: Right? He created him in His image. Vara Oso. He created him. The one. Zachunikeva. Female and male. And then it says, Bara Oso. In the same passage, it says, Bara Oso. Female, male. Bara Oso. He created them. Who is them? There was no them. There was no them. It was only Adam. That, the whole thing with Chava and sleeping and, 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 and taking his ribs, not his ribs, his side, whatever. That came later. So in the same passage, it says, Bara Oso. And then it says, Bara Oso. So what's going on over here? So what the, what the Torah is telling us that it was one being, but that being was Osam. There were two people on that one being. Adam was in the front, and Chava was in the back. So for Oso, one being, that's a Siamese twist. A person has one body, two heads, right? So there's two of them, but there's one of them. So he brings down in the in the Eitz the place of Torah, it was Siamese twins. Okay. Anyway. So that's Hashem created us. Now it doesn't make any sense because God doesn't make mistakes. It's not like, okay, I, I made a car. Oh, it didn't work. I'll fix. I'll, I'll, I'll change my design, right? But that seems to be what happened because later on, Hashem and and, and, and it says at the end of creation, right? But Yahweh is Hashem saw everything that He did. It was amazing. So then why did he split them up? If he, if this person says that Hashem saw everything he did was amazing, so why did he end up taking Chava off his back? So it says the following, that Hashem saw, like he didn't know from before, right? Um, and Adam called all the animals, Ula Adam, Loma and for Adam, he didn't find a helper corresponding to him. Yes, he did. He had her on his, on his back. Right? Hashem said, no, it's no good. A person can't live alone. Right? 
That's what it says in the passage. Hashem said a person cannot live alone. So the question is, what, what happened there? Hashem changed his mind? No. Because Baruch did the following. But even Hashem Elohim he took the, the back. He created it to a woman, and he brought it to Adam. And Adam said, listen carefully to what he said, this time, now girls, if he says this time, must have been there was another time. People don't learn these psukim, they don't, they don't watch the words. He says, this time, he says, this time you took her from my bones, you took her from my beat, my meat, and he called her an Isha. If you say this time, that must mean there was another time. So the other time, right, so what Adam was saying over here is, this time she was part of me. You took her from me this time. Last time, wasn't part of Adam, Hashem created it. This time, Hashem took away from him and created her. So he says, it's not like last time when she was on my back. This time, you took her off my back and you, and you, and you made two different people. Now the question is, did God make a mistake? Like he first said, let's put them together. And he says, ooh, that's not gonna work. Let's split them? That can't be. God doesn't make mistakes. I think it's Rabbi Shem I'm not sure where I heard this. It's something unbelievable. God didn't make a mistake. God put her on his back on purpose. Because you can't get closer to anyone than your own body. She was part of his body. She was on his back. You can't get closer than that. So you would think that that's much better in a relationship than the animals. Nobody was created on the animal's back. It was a female and a male. You would think that that must be much better. They're inseparable really inseparable. Hashem said, no, I want to teach the human being something. If, if I first create man and woman separate, right? The way they're supposed to be because Azer is connecto, in order to have Shalom bias, in order to, to, um, to have a relationship, you have to be able to face the person. You have to be able to face the person and talk to the person. If somebody's on your back, imagine there's a head on your back, right? So if you turn to the left, the head turns to the right. The other face turns to the right. You turn to the right, the other face turns to the left. If you look up, the face looks down. If you look down, the other face looks up. So whatever Noah, whatever Adam did, she turned the other way. So Kodesh Baruch said, if I would have created man and woman separate, and they didn't get along, what would they say? Hashem, if you would have put us together as one body, this would have worked. But you made us separate. Hashem said, no. First I'm going to put them together, they can't get closer. What happened? Adam had no relationship with her. She was on his back. He couldn't see her. He couldn't talk to her face to face. Any any therapist will tell you that communication in a marriage is the most important thing, right? They wouldn't see each other face to face. So therefore, Kishwaku first did it that way. Then Adam said, I'm very lonely, I, I can't talk to her, I can't see her. So Kodesh Baruch now separated it the second time. He said, ah, now I understand. The second time is Ezek and and that's the truth. How do, you, how do you brush your hair and put on your makeup? If the mirror is behind you, it wouldn't help you at all. What you do is, you look in a mirror. The Ezer, what helps you, is Kinegdoi, it has to be opposite you. 
And that's what happened over here. And the lesson that we learn from here is that for a relationship to work, it has to be kenegdoi. It has to be that the woman and the man face each other. Not that she's behind him or he's behind her. That's a very important lesson in in relationships. Okay, let's go on. So that's, that's all the way in the beginning. Now let's go on about dealing with children. I was this week somewhere in someone's house, and I wasn't brought up this way, but it seems to be a new a new discipline, and it's called timeout. Anayamaisa. Timeout by me was in the middle of a game. You wanted to rest, you went timeout. I never heard of the word timeout. And I'm like, what does that mean? And the person said, well, she's now going into a room. She left the kid into the room. We're going to close the door, and she's going to sit there for 20 minutes. She's in the timeout room. And I'm like, and what, what does she do in that room? Nothing. She doesn't do anything in that room. So I'm saying, you just lock her in a room for 20 minutes, and you call it timeout. So it's like capital punishment with a nice word. Timeout, right? Okay. So I have, it happens to be, I told this person who was this week, I said, well, let's look, let's look at how God deals with people who do things, with children who do things wrong. Number one, at no time did Hashem ever tell Adam, you ate from the tree. In other words, and I can tell you this as being a Rebbe for all the years that I was. If, if I yell at a kid, if I yell at my kid, you're a liar. I can't believe you're lying to me. I own that she's a liar. But she's not saying that she's a liar. I'm telling I'm calling her a liar. She's not saying I'm a liar. She doesn't own that. It's a very big difference. When the person themselves says, I'm a liar, when they say it, I am a liar, then they own that they are a liar and they will fix it. But when I tell you you're a liar, most of the time you're not going to fix it. You gotta own your stuff, right? So, what Hashem did over here is very fascinating. Adam eats, Adam Achavi eats from the tree. Instead of Hashem coming to the Ganadin and saying, Ow! You ate from the tree! Listen to the discussion here. And this is Chinuch. This is Chinuch. So Hashem says the following. Vayikra Hashem Elohim El Adam. Very innocent, open discussion to the kid. You know he's lying. Open discussion. How are you doing? Ayaka, where are you? Innocent. He just ate from the tree. He just did like the biggest of era. He changed the fiber. They changed the fiber of the world. Hashem said you can have everything and you can have anything, whatever you want. And they changed the fiber of the world. And Hashem should have come down on him right away. Doesn't say a word. He says, Adam, where are you? Adam doesn't admit right away what happened, right? So Yomer, Adam says, I heard your voice, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was scared. Because I'm not dressed. So I covered myself. So Hashem at that point, what would I said? You're not dressed. Why do you know that you're not dressed? Because you, you're in big trouble. No. So Hashem says, What do you mean you're undressed? Somebody told you that? Like, how do you know that? He asked him a question. He didn't say you ate from the tree. He said, Did, Is it possible? Maybe? You ate from the tree? But I told you not to eat from? And then Adam owned it. And he said, 
Uh, well, he didn't own it. That was a big mistake. He blamed her. He said, well, the woman that you gave me, she gave me to eat from the tree. At no time did God ever say to him, you ate from the tree. It's very, very important in life, in, in teaching and with kids also, to, to get them, in a nice way if you can, to admit to what they did wrong or to their problem. And once they own the problem, most of the time they'll fix it. If you're the one that's yelling and screaming and carrying on, first of all, they shut down, but they're not, they're not going to fix the situation. In my high school, if a girl, five years ago, a girl came to school, I said, so why are you coming to my high school? She said, well, I'm 18, I've been out of school for three years, and my mother said that if I come to school and graduate, I'll get a new car. I said, you're not, I'm not taking you, and I didn't take her. I said, if you're coming to my school to get a new car, it's not going to work. You're not going to do well in my school. You, you have to want to come to my school for the right reasons. If you're coming to school because your parents want you to come to school, that's also not going to work. If you're coming to school because Robert Wallace wants you to come to school, it's also not going to work. It's only going to work if you come to school because you want to come to school. Because if you come to school because you want to come to school, you'll be here every single day. If you come because I want you to go to school, you'll find an excuse. Wallace is on vacation for a week. You'll take off that week. It's the same thing with going to rehab. It's the same thing with anything. People who go to rehab, if they go to rehab because their parents are pushing them to rehab or their friends are pushing them to rehab, it doesn't work. It's when they say, I am a sick drug addict. I am dying. I need help. Get me into a rehab. That guy's going to get healthy. But until they own it, until you own your stuff, you know, it's everybody else's fault, right? And this is maybe where it started. Maybe it's not something new. You know, I say it's always... Go to therapy and say everyone else's fault. It's like everyone else's fault. And, and, and maybe this is where it started because Adam said, it's not my fault. She gave me from the tree. Hashem went to her and she said, not my fault. It's the snake. Everybody pushed it to the next one. Nobody took it. Nobody owned it. Each one pushed it to the other one. Maybe this is where it started. And he got punished for it. They got punished for it. And in the punishment, which is godless, and this, this is where the, 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 the time in the room so Hashem punished the snake, the woman, and the man. What was the man's punishment? You're going to sweat, you're going to work hard, and from that you're going to be able to eat bread. So in the punishment, there was something positive. You're going to work with At the end of the work, you're going to have bread, a house, a car, furniture, clothing. So in the punishment... Out of the punishment, something positive came out. He went to the woman. He didn't say, oh, you're going to be in so much pain, I'm going to give you a kidney stone. You're going to get a kidney stone every year. Right? Because there's a machoikis of a kidney stone or giving birth, which is more painful. I have a relative that was pregnant and had a kidney stone and said kidney stones were by far more painful than giving birth. So what did Hashem say? You're going to be in pain but from your pain will come a child. Why do women have more than one child? Usually after the first child, they're like, I'm never doing this again. I didn't have the epidural in time. It, ah, the pain and the carrying and the weight and the nine months and I'm not doing this again. And then all of a sudden they give birth and then a year later they're having another baby. What happened? The answer is because at the end of the day, you have a baby, you have a child. So you know what? I'll do it again. So in God's punishment or consequence... It was something very positive that came out of it. He was very careful to not just punish them. You're going to work, you're going to have bread. You're going to be in pain, you're going to have a child. But the Nachash, because he was the Mahdi, the one who caused the sin, 
And Shem said, you're not going to have any game. You're going to lose your feet, you're going to eat dust, and people are going to try to kill you. No good. There's no good that's going to come out of it. So I told this person who did this timeout business, I said, if you want to do that, give them something to do in those 20 minutes in the room. So have a puzzle, not a big one, and every time the kid gets time out for those 20 minutes, let them work on the puzzle. So after what, as many timeouts as they have, or for whatever reason, mommy, I finished the puzzle. And then you put a frame on it and you hang it up. Hang up a punishment? No. Something positive came out. The worst thing in yeshiva, when I was growing up, is the Rebbe would make us write a thousand times, I will not talk in class. So first of all, you hired your friends to do it, half of it. Right? Then he compared to, ah, oh, he compared to handwriting. And you went, I, I, and, and what did you get from it? You gave him the paper, you wasted four hours, you had ink all over your hands. And what did you have from it? Nothing. You wasted four hours of your life and they ripped it up and they threw it in the garbage. So what did you have from it? So, yeah, today, if you want to punish a student, okay, you can't go to recess for the next two weeks. But during recess, I'm giving you a book on Rathayim Kainetsky or or on a gadol, and I want you to write me a report. In those 15 minutes that you have, hand me in the report. If the report's really good, I'll give you extra points on your test. I, I'm punishing you. Yeah, he's not going to recess. He's not happy about this. But in the end, if he has a report to hand in that's going to give him points, then it's a positive, it's a positive punishment. And time out, there's nothing positive about it. Give him something to do in the room. Just stick him in a room for 20 minutes. It's, it's a waste of time. And the Goyim, they do it all the time. How old was this child before he knew? What? How old was this child? Yeah, yeah, between two and three. Between two and three. It's a big thing. Time out's such a big thing. Time out's a big thing. They do it in, in, in nurseries and kindergartens. Time out, they shut the kid into the So, okay, give him something to do. Let him build something. Stop him, let him do something. The reason we suffered in peace of, peace of my Ramses and Mitzrayim is every time we finished building the, the castle, it went into the quicksand. Even, even the slaves who built the Sphinx, at the end of the day, they looked up at the Sphinx, okay, we built it. We did something. Because Bach was very careful that even though he punished us, consequence, he didn't punish us, at the end of the day, something good came out of it. The man has food and the woman has children. Okay. There's a lot of discussion, and we've discussed this many times. How to discipline, how not to discipline. There's some people that if your kid's doing something wrong, help them do something wrong, do it with them. Crazy books are written, crazy sport, whatever. Let's see what Hashem does. Adam and Chava did an Avera. Averas are not about punishment. Averas are about consequences. The, the, we don't have time to really go into this tonight because we, we just have a couple, five minutes left. The way God created this world, it's a very deep subject and a very long subject. But the way he created the world, and it's in the Sefer brings it down, and it's in Bereshis, is he created an emotional, physical, spiritual world at the same time. It all happens at the same time. In the physical world, anyone who's ever taken physics, right? The first theory in physics is that every action has a reaction. Every action has a reaction. So, I don't know if you, if you did this in school, you had those eight metal balls, and you let one hit from this side and then the other one went out the other side then you did two and then two went out from the other side because that's physics every action has a reaction God created this world that every physical action has a reaction you drop a glass on the floor it'll break there's a, there's a, every action has a reaction in the spiritual world every time you do a mitzvah has a crazy reaction in all the worlds you do an avera has a crazy reaction in all the worlds it's the same thing as the physical as it is in the spiritual world 
reaction, another word for reaction is, who knows? Everything has a consequence. A reaction is a consequence. You hit the ball from here, the consequence is it goes over here. You drop the glass, the consequence is going to break. So the, 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 the reaction is a, con- is a consequence. So the way Hashem created this world, everything has a consequence. When Adam and Chava ate from the tree, there was a huge consequence. And the consequence was that they no longer could live in Ganega. God threw them out. You know, today that would not be very uh, kid misbehaving. You throw them out of the house, the one thing you do is you never throw your kid out of the house. Right? You never throw your kid out of the house. Even I preach that. Never throw your kid out of the house. Your kid, the consequence, he wants to leave the house. That's his business. Never throw the kid out of the house. Did Hashem throw Adam out of Ganeiden? Did he throw him out of Ganeiden? So let's take a look at the words. Okay? And what happened in Ganeiden is very fascinating. Until now, did anyone, until this part of the parsha where he ate from the Esadah, is, is the Esachayim mentioned in the Torah? Did Hashem tell Adam not to eat from the Esachayim? No. He only told him not to eat from the Esadah. Why? Because why would Adam eat from the Esachayim? What did the Esachayim do? It made you live forever. He was living forever anyway. So until he ate from the Esadah, there was no problem with him. Why would he eat from the Eitzachayim? He was going to live forever anyway. Once he ate from the Eitzachayim, the consequence was that he was going to die. The consequence of him dying is he doesn't want to die. He's going to go to the Eitzachayim, eat from that tree, right? So now he's, he's a person who does Averis because he, he knows Beit Ra, and he's going to live forever. Because Bokhu said, no way, we're not going to let that happen. He says the following. He's now what? He knows good from bad. Now he's going to take the Yitzchayim. He's going to eat it and he's going to live forever. And Hashem sent him He banished him. Comes from the word Gorish is Gerishim, which is a get, a divorce. And where did he live? He lived opposite the door on the east side of, of outside of Ganadin, and he couldn't go back. There were these malachim that had um, had swords, and there, there was no way that he could go back. So, in some of the people's psychology of today, Hashem should have said to Adam, "I love you. Don't worry about it." Maybe I'll go with you. We'll eat from the tree together. Right? It's not the end of the world. Love, 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 love. It's all love, love, love. Hashem, we, we throw them out. We throw them out of your house. This is God's discipline. Throw your kid out of the house. He did one sin. The answer is, he didn't throw him out of the house. He sent him out of the house because there is a consequence. In a world without consequence is a world that will, be, will destroy itself. And therefore, the problem with many of the disciplines that have gone all the way to the other side is that kids can do things and there, not only there is not a consequence, but the consequence of doing bad 
is to be rewarded. You want to do something bad? I'm going to help give you the money to do something bad. Twisted parenting. I'm going to help you do something bad. Rich Bokhah did not say that here. So, am I going to throw you out of the house? No, I'm not throwing you out of the house. At the end of the day, the reason that Adam had to leave Gan Eden was once he ate from the tree, he was no longer pure. And only pure could live in Gan Eden. So the consequence of what he did, not a punishment, the punishment was that he has to work with it doesn't say in the Torah when Hashem punished other Mechava I'm punishing you you have to leave Gan Eden it wasn't a punishment it was a consequence of what he did and because of what he did there was a consequence and people who live without consequence Nike just do it it's the opposite of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who created this world who created a world of physical and spiritual and emotional consequence when you go anti that then you are Destroying the world, and as you see what's going on in our world outside of the ele- outside of what everything that's going on is because you could cheat and you can lie and you can do whatever you want and say whatever you want, and there's no consequence. You should get away with it. And Chris Bogus said, "No, you can't live. In, you can't live here anymore, and you can't live here because you're going to eat from the Eitzachayim. How do you know he's going to eat from the Chaim? He said, "You're sorry. He's going to be a good boy. He'll never do it again. So let him live there, right? Well, let him live there till he doesn't. Then it's too late." And the answer is no. Once the Yetzirah is inside, the Prophet said, you are no longer the person that you were before you ate from the Yetzirah. Before you ate from the Yetzirah, you would never eat from the Yetzirah. Now, you are not that person anymore. The consequence of what you did, Adam Akhava, changed the whole world, changed the fiber of the world. So there are lessons to be learned that a man has to face a woman and communicate and that's a real that's a real Asia connector that's a real someone who helps them not someone who's behind their back talking behind their back literally that's not going to help anybody in this world and when you do a time out make sure that whatever you do that in the punishment like Adam and Chava there's something good that's going to come out of it there has to be consequence there has to be consequence in life and never ever yell at a child or yell at a person to do what Akash Baruch did talk to them let them give them the ability to admit it once you yell at them they can't admit it's too late it's too late you you took over it's, it's, it's you own it but you're not supposed to own what they did wrong they need to own what they did wrong if they, know, if they own what they did wrong then they're going to change it just one more fast thing a beautiful shot we'll close with this so it says like this that First of all, you should know that each one of us has an angel. Because it says, B'Tselem Aleikim. Each one of us has an angel. Shehad Dumusa Adam Daimel Dumusim Shamalachim. That your angel looks like you. You have an angel in that looks like you. Okay. But he says something very beautiful. We'll end with this. Two seconds. In Mesechus Brachas in Yerushalmi, Rav Shimon Ba'echai says the following. Even though Yisri Oymen Al-Harsinai, B'Shosh Nathan Kershbochu, Terul Yisrael. If I would have been standing, Rav Shimon Ba'echai says, if I would have been standing, by Hasinai, when Hashem gave the Torah, I would have asked Hashem, that God should create man with two, two mouths. You have two eyes, you have two ears, you have two nostrils, you have two hands, you have two feet, but you only have one mouth. So Shem Ba'ichoy said, I would ask Hashem for two mouths. Why? Achas one, Shabbat Yasuk Torah, 
One of them would be used only for Tyra. Clean, pure Tyra and Tefillah. And the other one would be for everything else. So at least, now you have a mouth. You talk Oshinara, so the mouth is dirty. So when you learn Tyra, it's all full of bacteria. So Shemayachoy said, I would have asked Hashem for two mouths. One just Tyra, and one for the rest of the stuff. So Shemayachoy said, but I thought about it. Chazavi, I thought about it. I changed my mind. He said, one mouth, there's so much Lush and Horus destroying the world. He said, if we had two mouths, we would use them both for Lush and Horus. The world would definitely be destroyed. He said, you know what, Kosh Baruch We'll just stick with one mouth. We'll try to use it the way that it was supposed to. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.